Welcome to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show. G'day out there everyone in podcast land, it's Ian at the Australian Citizen Science Association Conference here on the sunny Sunshine Coast and I'm talking today to Sherry Bruce, did I get your last name right? That's correct. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> and Sherry Bruce is from the Bribey Island Environmental Protection Association. Or we just say BIPA for short. BIPA, okay, <laughs> beautiful. And Sherry, how did you get into uh, science? So I'm a volunteer with my my local um, environmental group, BIPA. I have a business where I teach science to children. I've been doing that for 20 years and just really passionate about that and our environment. And because I live near Bribey, I decided to join that organization. And with Darren Jew and myself, we're project coordinators for the Jugong Diaries. Oh, the Jugongs. Okay, please tell me more. I don't know a lot about Jugongs. Yep. So we actually have a citizen science project running and that's under um, Dr. Janet Lanyon his 40 years research with dugongs and she has done a study on the pumice stone passage dugongs um i think it was back in 2009 she wants to come back and do it again and do a health assessment of the dugongs so basically our community members were engaging them to um, get observations and they take photographs or even if they don't get a photo they let us know where they've seen one and they provide gps points and we're getting all the tides and all that sort of data as well and all this being shared with dr janet lanyon and also um looking at how we can get our data really utilized and shared through WildNet, ala and all these other really great platforms just for our northern hemisphere listeners what is a dugong sea cow <laughs> sea cow yeah often called sea cows because they will eat up to 40 kilograms a day of seagrass. Oh, wow. And they get up to about 400 kilograms. Beautiful creatures just slowly gliding through the water and then they just pop their head up and you see their whiskers, their big nostrils flare out and then they're gone. Very hard to get photographs of them, so amazing job by our community members that do actually send us in photographs because sometimes you just get the water. (laughs) Wow. But that's a position. Yeah. Do you scuba dive? No. Would you like to go scuba diving? I must admit, when I was a teenager, I got my paddy license, but uh, um, that was in Canada. I haven't done any scuba diving since then. Oh, wow, because I'm just thinking, you know, like underwater pictures of dugong. No one really can get them because they're a very elusive creature. Is that correct? Yes. So um, they can be a bit shy, um, but we've had community members that get out on their kayaks and they'll stop. Um, when they see one and that dugong will actually come up to them. So I've seen some footage that's pretty, very, very cool. With the underwater photography, Darren Jew, I'm not sure if you're aware of his name, but if you Google that, he is an amazing underwater photographer, cannon master. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful photography. Yeah. How many dugongs? We're just looking at Pumice Stone Passage and just some of the waters surrounding Bribey Island. Where is Palmer Stone Passage. Passage. Yeah, it's in the Morton Bay City Council region and Bribey Island, actually the top part of Bribey consists of the Sunshine Coast Council and most of Bribey is the Morton Bay Region Council, City Council area. So you have that passage that comes from the Sunshine Coast right down. And how many dugongs do they reckon are in that area? I think that's one thing they don't have a lot of information on, very data deficient. I do know that Dr. Janet Lanyon's research paper looking in that from her 
her, I think it was a 2009 one, when they were doing aerial surveys, they were seeing anywhere from zero to 13 dugongs in a day. Okay, seven to 13 in a day. Yeah, zero to 13. Zero. Yeah, yeah. We're not getting that type of data with our community members. We're just getting more of where they are just because one might be there, someone spots, and then, you know, further up the passage, someone's probably spotting the same one. Yeah. (laughs) But we're having calves at the moment. You're seeing the babies, and um, they come very close to shore. So people walking along the shoreline will see them. Oh, beautiful. Because that seagrass grows in shallower water, doesn't it? So there's different species that grow in those different depths. So we have that intertidal and, and um, subtidal. And then, you know, volunteering in this organization, we just constantly learning and learning that dugongs do have a favorite food. <laughs> oh, okay. A particular type of seagrass. Um, and that one's just slightly deeper, not in that sort of intertidal area. And it's way more nutritional for them. I always struggle pronouncing it, but halafala avalis. <laughs> halafala avalis. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that is a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> and how did you get involved with this project? Did you someone ask you to come along to it or did you just volunteer? Or? Yeah, just volunteered. Just turned up in the local meeting, put my hand up. <laughs> I just thought, that sounds cool. <laughs> I've done a lot of community engagement work with science and um, environment projects as well, but most of that, my past, was with children and sustainable schools. That sounds all right. I'm really passionate about engaging people and just getting that sense of awe and wonder. Where do you feel like that passion comes from? Is it something that happened when you were very young? Yeah, I feel so. I had very adventurous parents. I actually grew up on a sailboat when I lived in Canada. We sailed here year to Australia. <laughs> That's a little bit adventurous. <laughs> yeah, uh, many, many thanks to my parents for the the amazing um, life they gave me and that appreciation of nature. So I was out in nature all the time, which is, I think, why I have this passion of just wanting to engage children and community members in nature because it is such a wonderful space. Mum and Dad, did they take equal opportunity to sort of throw you into a, a natural situation? Like swimming with whales or dolphins or... I don't know how I'm still alive, personally. (laughs) The things my parents did with me when I was a child and the adventures we had. But, I mean, when we sailed across the Pacific, that was an 18-day not seeing land. And so we would kill time and because it was quite calm when we sailed and we would kill time and be towed on skis behind our sailboat and... uh, and then falling off, and then the sail. There was a spotter on the sailboat, and you'd turn, and you know, to see that. You know, I'm like, I, and as an adult now, I'm like, how could they do that to their, <laughs> their child? And just that feeling of being in the middle of the Pacific, and you're seeing those rays going, the sunlight rays going down into the ocean, and and the boat off in the distance, and thinking, uh, what's down there? Yeah, that was one of my very scary childhood experiences, <laughs> but also amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not many people get that opportunity. You no, know, and just that feeling of how small I was on this planet. And, yeah. and then that gives us the gratitude of the opportunities that we have and still are presented with today. Well, just that sense of awe. I love that. It doesn't have to be in the middle of the ocean. Like, look a little bit closer at a leaf. Go down to the water's edge and see if you can spot a dugong. <laughs> Today, I've been listening to a few talkers, and one of the things that comes from me, instead of having hope, take the action. Yeah. Is that what you feel like is happening in the Dugong project? It's so important.
important that we just get everyone on board, all types of people. Just bring everyone on this journey. And um, and it is just sharing, sharing our love of this um, and just hoping they'll embrace that as well. And, um, yeah, because it is such a wonderful place. Yeah, it is. And, you know, with the dugongs, how do they give birth? Like, do they give birth to a litter or is there one or two or is there hundreds of dugongs? I'm figuring because it's a mammal and it's a big mammal, they'd be like a whale and there are maybe only one one calf or one pup or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so don't quote me on, on, on any of this because I'm not the expert. I'm still learning, which is the great thing about it. There's always space for learning. But um, yeah, they do have that calf, that one calf, and that calf stays with that mother for quite a long period of time. So there's not a huge amount of reproduction happening, so the numbers... That's exactly right, yeah. Their status, are they... A protected creature or are they, you know, just fished or how, what, what is their status? So history is really interesting of the dugong. They, they did used to be manufactured. Good thing that's not happening anymore. But there was a whole sort of cannery industry around them. On Propriety Seaside Museum, you'll get some really interesting information there as well. So their conservation status is currently um, listed vulnerable. I'm aware that there's about 100,000 left in the world and their situation is looking very poor. Climate change is a, a big factor for them. I know locally um, motor uh, watercraft is being hit by watercraft is a big issue and seagrass it's so important that we protect these seagrass meadows um, that we don't have that runoff with pesticides and sediment you know after floods because all that sediment can just wipe out a big patch of grass and the thing about our pumice stone well I call them ours but they're everyone's our pumice stone passage dugongs is it looks like that they are there all year round, not migratory like some other dugongs that are up along the east coast. Okay. So it was anecdotal that Dr. Janet Lanyon's original um, research was showing that they were there all year round. And we see that as community members. They are there all year round. And for the future, do you have a action plan or do you hope that, like, what... Do you see that their actually numbers are going to come back and everything's going to be good? Well, you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't have that <laughs> that way of thinking. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we just go into it knowing that um, we're going to do everything. We're going to make a difference. And a large part of that is just bringing our community on board this journey as well. Well, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And you are one of the silent achievers. Thank you. Well, we're really trying to put the dugong on the map and um, we're advocating for the dugong to be the Olympic mascot. <laughs> Beautiful. You've been listening to Citizen. 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 Citizen Science. Citizen Science Show.